What up, Third Street? The last song that we sang, it said, she said, when I lost me. You knew where I left me. That's deep. That would, that would imply that you were somewhere and yourself was somewhere else. And the only way to get back to you is through the Father. The book of Joseph. So um, this started as a joke um, sometime around a place or time period when um, I got to Third Street and we would hear something or be talking about something that's not really in Scripture. And um, <laughs> we called it the book of Joseph. Um, obviously a book that's not in the Bible. And the issue with the book of Joseph at times, it, it can be that we are allowing for our hearts, allowing for our desires, allowing for our steps to be ordered by something that is just not of God. So our scripture for today is in Luke. I believe it's chapter 7. We're going to read verses 11 through 24. Maybe it's not chapter 7. Maybe it's chapter 15. <laughs> he also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, "Forgive, Father, give me the share of, of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them. And it says, not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. In King James Version, it says, he, he squandered his estate in riotous living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs said he longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. King, King James Version says, no man would give unto him. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food, and here I am dying of hunger? I'll get up. I'll go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran through his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, quick, in a hurry, fast, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost. He was lost, y'all. And is found. So they began to celebrate. Some of us are present with the Father, but still lost. We go to church, 
We go to huddle. We do our best to be a part of ministry. And we're in the presence of the Father. But we're still lost. Anybody here ever seen Waterboy? It's an amazing movie. And there's this part of the Waterboy where he's in class. And uh, the professor says, does anybody know why alligators are so aggressive? So the water boy, like, he, he kind of nudges his friend. He's like, hey, I know this answer. So the friend was like, well, raise your hand. The water boy, not being in school before, he, he raises, raises his hand kind of awkwardly. The professor says, you, sir. Yes, sir, you, sir. That's what he said. Yes, sir, you, sir. The water boy says, my mama say, the alligators are so ornery because they have all them teeth. <laughs> and no toothbrush. <laughs> so the professor repeats, he says, the, water, uh, the alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth and no toothbrush. And then another student raises his hand and he says, you know, alligators are very aggressive because the medulum, medulla oblongata. And he said, yes, sir. The medulla oblongata. And then the water boy said, but, but, but my mama say, and then he says, the medulla oblongata. Then the professor says, does anybody know where happiness comes from? The water boy raises his hand. And, and the professor says, well, let's see what mama has to say. <laughs> On this subject. The water boy stands up and he says, Mama says that happiness comes from magical rays of sunshine that come down when you're feeling blue. And the professor says, well, Mama's wrong. <laughs> and the water boy says, no, you're wrong, Colonel Sanders. Mama's right. He proceeds to tackle the professor as he's walking out of the, uh, the classroom. And I believe that the issue that we, we see with the water boy is he was lost. He was confused. He had a relationship with so many different people who were telling him what was right and what was wrong. And he got to a place while he was in school and he was talking to a professor and he was just confused. One of the biggest issues that I see in the movie is that he did not really know his father. His mama told him that his father died in some crazy story. And he lived his whole life trying to be a water boy because of this, this thing of water that his mom gave him. And he was lost. He was unhealthy. He was heartbroken. He was trying to follow his heart. He tried, to file, he tried to follow through Vicky Valancourt. He tried to follow through Coach Clyde. He tried to follow through his teammates. He tried to follow anybody and everybody who would show him love, that would show him appreciation. But in all reality, he was lost. The whole movie, he was lost. Until he truly found out who he was. I think we follow our hearts often. And there's a phrase that I uh, would say is the title of this sermon, and it's, it's God knows my heart. That's a scripture that we can 
we can pick out in the book of Joseph. Now, is that in the King James Version? Yes, it is. It actually is. Um, I believe we can find God knows my heart when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And he says, God knows your heart. But he was talking to them about it when they were doing something that they were not supposed to be doing. And that's normally when we hear someone say, God knows my heart. Um, I've never particularly seen someone be baptized and then they come out of the water and they're like, God knows my heart. It's normally something that you hear someone say when they're doing something and someone is trying to tell them about righteousness. Someone is trying to tell them about the right path or doing the right thing. And their response is, no, God knows my heart. And they're saying it so they can continue down the path that they're already on. So that they can feel more comfortable in darkness. So that they can feel more comfortable in unhealthiness. So they can feel more comfortable in brokenness. So they can continue to, to push themselves away from righteousness. They say, God knows my heart. And the truth behind the matter is God does know your heart. But do you? The Bible tells us that the heart is deceitful above. Does it say some things? Your heart is more deceitful than anything. It's above all things. Dang. Above Everything, my heart is deceitful above everything. It says that it's desperately sick. Dang. Not just like with the sniffles, but desperately sick. It finishes that scripture with a question mark and it says, who can understand your heart? Dang. Not only can I not understand it, but nobody can understand my heart. And that leads me to my thought process of the scripture that I chose for today. We have the, the prodigal son. The, the, the son that was lost before he left. I think this morning I finally seen myself in the prodigal son. But I also seen you as well. I know you was like, dang, I thought you was just going to talk about you. I think we all have gotten to a place or to a point to where we want to go to the father and say, hey, I know I got some perks from being your son, from being your daughter. I, I know that you have all of the everything that I need. And if I can get some of that on credit, If I can get some of that up front, if I can take a loan out on that, that would be much appreciated. And that's all the prodigal son was truly saying to the father. I, I am your son. And when you die, some this is a lot of stuff that I'm supposed to get. And I just kind of want that now. How broken was he that the father wasn't enough? I very seldomly ever talk to Rev before I preach. And every song that they sang has everything to do with what I'm talking about today. Why isn't the father enough? It's not like this dude didn't have a good relationship with his father. Anybody here who has parents, you know how difficult it is to actually confide 
and say something real deep as a child to your parent. He had to have a good relationship with his dad because he came to the father with a bold statement. Everything that you owe me, simply because of who I am, I want that now. I don't want to wait any longer for the things that I know you're going to give me anyways. So to have a relationship like that with your father, why isn't the father enough? And this is something that I caught on to, again, just this morning when I was re, uh, rereading the scripture. It, the Bible doesn't say that the father gave him everything and he left. The Bible says that the father gave him everything that he asked for. And then a couple days later, he left. What I see that as saying is this dude realized what the father had to give. He realized his relationship with the father and he realized that if I could just get a little bit more than what the father has already given me, then I'll be happy. Ooh, that word happy. It's a son of a gun. But when he received all the things that the father gave him, he sat with those things for a couple of days and realized, I'm still not happy. I'm going to go to the scripture specifically. It says, Give me the portions of good that fall up to me. And he divided it unto them, his living. And it says, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Often we tell people, follow your heart. That's kind of a dangerous statement. If you, if you get nothing else from this message today, the biggest thing that I'm trying to differentiate is the difference between your heart and God's heart. What do we mean when we say follow your heart? Think back to you giving advice. How many times have you told someone to follow your heart and your point of telling them that has nothing to do with the Father? They say what they want. They say what they need. They say what they're going out to get. And you just say, follow your heart. Yeah, follow the thing that's deceitful above all things. Follow your heart. Hey, follow that thing that's desperately sick. This is where it gets good. Follow your heart. Follow the thing that you don't even understand, nor do I, nor does anyone else. My first point of today is what's in your heart going to cause distance this young man knew what was in his heart and as soon as he got what he got he left the father is what you're seeking going to actually make you closer to God or is it going to cause more distance I can't think of how many different times in my life I've wanted something, and when I received it, that's when I disappeared. 
That's when I became distant. That's when I stopped praying. That's when I stopped reading. That's when I stopped hearing the voice of God. Is what is in your heart that deceitful thing, that sick thing, that desperate thing, that thing that you don't really understand yourself? Is it going to bring you closer to God? Is it going to bring you closer to the Father or is it going to cause distance? Sometimes what we want physically, it doesn't match what we need spiritually. Chasing happiness. What would make us leave the Father? What is something that God could give you right now and in a couple of days you would leave? There's this tricky word called happiness. Me and my wife have, we've been talking about happiness for weeks. And I'm a person that like, I love words. Um, if I don't understand a word or if, if Corey says an unnecessary word. I call it, I call it a, a, a 10 a.m. word. He normally says it around 5 p.m. And you shouldn't say it unless it's like 10 a.m. There's a more. There's a more proficient way to say some things. That's what I'll say. I prefer the hood vernacular. <laughs> I'm getting off subject. So. We were talking about happiness. And happiness is one of those things that uh, you really got to kind of dig in the word and see what the word says about it. Sometimes we can think that happiness comes through physical things. And true happiness only comes through the spirit of God. He said, happy are those who know that I am Lord. Happy, happiness comes from righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Is that the happy that you're looking for? Or are you following the happiness of your heart? Here's the issue with the heart. God said it. He was going to replace it. He said, I'm going to give you a new heart. And the new heart that God says he's going to give us, he's giving us specifically because he knows that your heart is well, the one that's going to cause distance. When, 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 when someone needs a heart transplant, <laughs> they normally get it from someone who's dying or from someone who's already dead. So a lot of times what we do is we try to find happiness in other dead people. The Bible says that we were all once dead in trespasses, dead in sins, following the prince of the power of the air of this world. And then we go out and try to find happiness in other people's hearts and their heart is just as deceitful as ours. Their heart is just as desperately sick as ours. They don't also know their hearts. And this is why God says, I made you in my image, in my likeness. So the only way that I can call you my son is if I give you my heart. 
the transplant that God is trying to give us as his children is to take our hearts out so that he can replace them with his. Has anybody ever paid attention to the fact that he calls us sheep? I got one. Do we all understand that the sheep, I don't even know if I should said that right. Is it called sheep if it's more than one? Still sheep. What if this is just one? It's just still sheep. That's dope. The sheep is the most ignorant, dumb creature that he created. So much in need of a shepherd that they would literally go to the water, fall in and drown. They'll put their faces in a thorn bush, scrape up every pit of their face, and then go deeper into the thorn bush to get another grape. They're the dumbest creature that he ever created. And he makes it a point to call us that all the time. <laughs> and in one particular scripture, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean? How do we get to a place to where you being my shepherd is enough? The true, the true uh, sentence form of that scripture is when the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me to still waters. Everything that I seek, desire, and need, he gives me when the Lord is my shepherd. So when he's not my shepherd, all I'm doing is being a lost sheep close to drowning. There's a reason why he has to lead me to still waters because when I see the ravishing waves that come about in the waters and in the oceans that are not still as a sheep I get too close to the point to where my life is in danger as a sheep when I see this bush that has these great things in the inside I just don't think about the fact that I'm killing myself just to get to the grape in the first place and now I'm hurting myself trying to get deeper and deeper into a bush that's only making it worse on everything that is within me this is the reason why the shepherd always walks around with a stick because he always is trying to get the sheep out of something that the sheep then got themselves into and the only way that the shepherd can get you out of the bush without hurting himself in the process is his staff he says my staff shall comfort you Goodness and mercy shall follow you. There's always a shepherd and then the shepherd's two animals that round the sheep up. And he said, those two animals is my goodness and it's my mercy. And each time you try to get up out of this circle of protection that I've created for you, 
my goodness and my mercy is just surrounding you, keeping you closer to me. What would make you want to get out of that circle? Your heart. Trying to find happiness. That word is a son of a gun. God knows my heart. Do you want your gift in his presence? Or is that what you're seeking? What's making you leave? Sometimes we, 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 we want happiness. And once we receive the thing that we think makes us happy, we realize I can't do this at church. I can't do this and be a Christian. I can't do this and lead huddle. I can't do this and be in the choir. It puts you in a standpoint to where you got to say, either I'm going to stay with the father or I got to leave because I can't have what's in my heart. I can't have what my desire is right now and still be in the presence of God. And for so many different people, once they receive what it is that they're looking for in their happiness, they realize that what I've been looking for all along has nothing to do with the father. And this is where he finds himself at two days after he receives exactly what God gave him. I meant the father. The Bible says he leaves after a couple of days. Brings me to my second point. This is where I'm going to lose a couple of people. Because the, the scripture has been taught a certain way so often. And my way of thinking is always so awkward. Stop thinking your famine is physical. The Bible says that he went to a distant country. He didn't go to the country that was right next to his father. He needed to get far away so he can do his thing. Oof, how far away have you left the father? Because you know that you can't do on 4th Street. Because 3rd Street is too close. I can't be on 5th Street because people on 3rd Street going to find out. I got to leave Canton altogether so I can be happy. I got to get so far away from the father that I don't feel ashamed about what I'm doing. Because I know God knows my heart. The Bible says that he went to a distant country. And it says that he wasted everything that the father had gave him in riotous living. He told the father, I need my property. I need what I'm supposed to receive as a son. And I'm here to tell you that when you ask God for something as a child of God, he's not giving you a mansion. He's giving you peace. He's not giving you a Ferrari. He's giving you joy. So, when he got to this place and it says that there was a famine, it was not physical. I'm not saying that he still had the property. I'm saying that that wasn't his issue. What he realized when he got into a famine was that he did no longer had his father. He no longer had his peace. He no longer had his joy. 
He no longer had the happiness that he thought he had or that he, he actually had when he was with the father. Maybe he still had a little bit of property. Maybe he didn't. Who cares? The issue is, is that what was needed was no longer present. I'll read it to you. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He would have he would, he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. This is why I don't believe that it was physical. A citizen of the country had. A famine is something that means everybody in the area don't got. Nobody has. It's a famine. You got to go to another country and bring those resources back to a country that's in a famine. When you go to the places in Africa, it ain't like a hut don't got, and then next to the hut is a mansion. No. Everyone in that country ain't eating. There's no water. There's no resources. So if there was a physical famine in the country, there would be no citizen to attach himself to that had food, not only for themselves, but they had enough food to feed the pigs. Somebody in here been so broke before, even as a child or now. To where you ain't eating and your dog ain't eating. It ain't never a point in life where you don't got but big rough rough in the back with a big bowl full of food. No. If I'm broke, the dog's broke. It said that the citizen that he attached himself to had enough not only for himself, not only enough to give him a job, but also enough to give food to the pigs. It also said that he went out and no other man would give unto him. So all these other people had stuff to give. They just chose not to give. So what kind of famine was he in? He was in a righteous famine. He had left the father in the country that was full of righteousness. He had left a place where people were doing right. And then he got to a place where a riotous living was the normal. He got to a place where no good word was spoken. And he realized then that it wasn't the happiness that I should have been desiring. It was just the father. Some of us have left the father. And we see everything around us that we thought was going to make us happy. And no man will give unto us. And we find ourselves in the pig swine, in the pig's pen. I'm going to speak to the young people in a relationship real quick. When you attach yourself to a citizen of the country, the citizen of the country that feeds a pig in this time period is an evil person. Nah, that's, that's bad. Let me not say that. This person would be frowned upon. The person that, that, that lays down with a pig to eat with a pig would have been uh, ceremonially unclean. The person that actually owned the pigs would have been the same. This was the person that he attached himself to. And this is how the, the Bible kind of like It says that when he attached himself to the citizen, what the citizen gave him was the pig's pen. Do you think that that's what he thought was going to happen when he attached himself to the pig's pen? I mean, to the citizen? 
I'm sure that he thought the citizen was going to give him the happiness that he was looking for. How many times have you attached yourself to somebody who was ceremonially unclean and all they had for you was a pig's pen? And then when you end up in a relationship to where all the person that is giving you in the relationship is the pig's pen, the next thing you're doing is looking for anyone. The Bible says that now he was looking for any man to give unto him. When you allow for yourself to attach to someone who is not the father and that person gives you the pig pen and you're okay with it, the next thing you do is attach yourself to anything. Attach yourself to anyone. Allow anybody to treat you any type of way because you're looking for happiness. I'll let you cuss me out. I'll let you put your hands on me. I'll let you take from me. I'll let you. There's nothing worse when I see a dude driving a woman's car. To go pick the woman up, then he got to get out her car and get in the passenger seat because it's her car. Then they go to the gas station and she out in the cold pumping gas. You're in the pig's pen. You've attached yourself to a citizen that is not the father. You allow him to do anything to you because you're looking for happiness. He would have fain have filled his belly with the husks. This citizen was so evil that he was feeding the pigs other pigs. I'm trying to help you understand what type of citizen he attached himself to. The worst of worst in this country was the person that he called a friend. And he wanted to be loved. He wanted to be heard. He wanted happiness. I'm sure sometime in this walk, he told anybody and everybody who would listen, God knows my heart. But the Bible says when he came to himself, (laughs) when he came to himself, when he realized that he had happiness all along. When he realized that he had attached himself to anything and everything. When he realized that a meal wasn't going to get it. He didn't say, I'm just going to look for another country. I'm just going to look for another person. Have you ever been in a place to where you not only don't have what the father gave you, but now you realize that you also can't have what man has either? I can't eat in the pig's pen. The citizen won't treat me right. No man will give unto me. My peace is gone. My joy is gone. The property that the father has given me is gone. Everything is gone. And he comes to himself. My last point. 
This is where the hope lies. You're not coming back the same way you left. Some of us have been reluctant to go back to the Father because you've seen how far away you've went. Now, he was, he was a son when he left. And there was something in the scripture that stood out to me. It says, it says, he said, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. <laughs> what kind of bread was he talking about? Jesus said, man, can I live off of bread alone? But uh, every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of my father. Jesus says, I am the bread. He says, I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say unto him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be your son. Make me a hired servant. <laughs> when, you, when you come back to the Father, you're going to still be a son. But this time you're going to be a servant too. My mind is going in like 26 directions. I don't know how to finish this. But I just see the fact that he wanted to come back no longer as a son, but as a hired servant. This wasn't in my notes, but dang, do you know how dope it is for you to come back with a posture of I just want to serve and then when you get into the presence of the father, he says, no, you still a son. But now you have the mindset and the heart of a servant, but you still the son. You still have all of the benefits that come along with being the child of God. But now I'm a child of God who wants to serve. Now all I want is to be in your presence. Ooh, that's dope. Now I understand that. When you say, when I say, you are my shepherd, I shall not want, that the only thing that I want to do is be a servant. I just want to serve you. I, I'm cool with whatever comes along with serving. Hmm. I want you to know that no matter how far you are away, not only does God see you, but he's running to you. I, I can be confident in that because of what the scripture says. It says, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, I'm no longer worthy. Uh, I just want you to be, a, I just want to be a higher servant. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him. He had compassion on him and he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I'm going to close off. Not only is the father still pursuing you while you're still a far way off. But the customs of the time was if this young man would have disrespected his father in this way, if he would have tried to come back into this country, 
The people of that country would have stoned him to death because he did not operate as a son is supposed to operate according to their customs. So God understands that on your journey back to him, there's going to be people who are going to try to harm you and try to take your life. And I'm not talking physically. I'm talking about the life that has connected to you spiritually. There are people that are going to try to keep you away from the father. And so that the father does not let that happen. He's running towards you so he can catch you before the stone catches you. And he wraps his arms around you so that he can take the blow. The fatal blow that someone is trying to do to destroy your relationship with God, God is going to wrap his arms around you. He's going to allow for the son to die so that you can stay in relationship with him. Why? So that you can come to an understanding that it does not matter if God knows your heart. It does not matter if you don't know your heart. Only thing that you have to know is God's heart. only thing that you need to know in your journey as a believer is the heart of God. The heart of God that thought of you when he said, let there be light. The heart of God that allowed for his son to die for you. The heart of God that loves you, that has plans for you, that created you. What you lost in your famine, God can't wait to give back to you. When the son came back, he said, you're naked. Somebody get him the best robe. You're naked. Someone get him sandals for his feet. Cover my daughter. Cover my son. And so that no one is confused about where they stand with the father. Put that ring on their finger. Yes, your heart is deceitful. Yes, it is desperately sick. Yes, you don't know it, nor does anyone. But it doesn't matter because God's taken that heart away. God is going to give you his heart if he hasn't already. Why? Because he wants you to be him in each space that you're in. He made you in his image and in his likeness so that the next time you come across someone who is heartbroken, who doesn't know right from wrong, who is struggling, who's chasing happiness, that you can give them the answer that you once did not have yourself.